this uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, host Brandon, my host Nick, and Dan. And gentlemen, we have the Manchester United match review here on the books, ready to go. Uh, Nick, we were just saying before the call, a little bit interesting since we typically never really play United on a Saturday, but they, I guess, felt like it was appropriate this year. <laughs> yeah, no, it just it felt odd because I think the last many, many times, especially at the bridge, we always play them on a Sunday, uh, like kind of late afternoon kickoff. And instead, we got like kind of the evening spot, which was nice. It was nice to not have to wake up super early on, on the state side and and go through our uh, our pre-morning routines uh, in, in any sort of rush format. It was great to kind of take the, the morning and, and ease into it, you know? So just to confirm that, uh, we played Thursday last April. I think that was one of our makeup games. Yeah. Uh, but then you had Sunday and then the in 2021, Sunday in 2021 reverse fixture, and then it was Saturday the 24th of October in 2020. Uh, was the last mm. time we played them on a Saturday. So, I mean, it's at least been a couple years, and it doesn't go further back than that, and I refuse to do more research on that. But I feel like that's enough evidence for you. It's called science. I think we got it. All right. Well, um, as always, uh, we're going to be chatting about uh, United's early dominance and how it tested Chelsea. We'll talk about the critical subs that put Chelsea back in front, including the first half uh, sub. And then, surprisingly, we're not going to talk about Kovacic, Dan. I mean, is that in the script or not? Because He's he was there. kind of a headline. Well, it's a headline <laughs> for a couple of reasons. Uh, and one, if you didn't see anything after, you know, he left it all out on the pitch. Left it all out on the pitch. Uh, he kept his socks on, which I thought was surprising move. Uh, but anyways, just, we'll end. Just the one sock. <laughs> we'll end with, uh, are these draws more of a resource problem uh, than a tactics problem? So as always, Dan, kick us off with the three-word match review um, and, and give a temp check of what the people feel like. I feel like this is going to be mixed bag. It is. It is a mixed bag. I mean, it's a draw. It's a gut punch draw. And Jason with the hop skip draw, getting us started there. Mm-hmm. You had Tan with inches from three. There's a lot of like measurement ones, you know, it's obviously Hawkeye kind of situation there. Pert plus with the match of millimeters. TG Soccer 11 with Chalaba Potter undefeated. I like that one. That made me feel a little bit better. Lifted spirits. Zarley with the happy, then sad. Chris <laughs> with the six minutes. Seriously? Stanford the doggy with my heart hurts, right there with you. Janique with the the worst fixture, absolutely, mm. and then JW with the on the more serious note, pride over prejudice because it was the rainbow lace this week. Uh, I, as much as I want to steal your gut punch draw, I feel like that you know was was a nice accidental three word match for you threw at the beginning of that. I'm, I'm I'm that good. I'm that good. Sometimes. Uh, I, well, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I'm gonna go with big club standards for this one. Uh, because for for where we want to be and where we should be, uh, being 1-0 up in the 86th, 7th minute should be enough, even six minutes of stoppage time, to beat United, who didn't offer a whole lot uh, after the first 30 minutes. So uh, I think it's good that we keep our standard high and that we're frustrated at that result. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, Nick, what about you? Mediocre meets mid. Uh, there was a lot of really average stuff out there today. Yeah, the, the stats back that up. Uh, Dan, lastly but not leastly. The incomplete build, because we are still missing pieces. Pieces are not available. They're off the board, and it's hard to win a game in 
that type of scenario. So still work for Todd Bowley, Graham Potter, and uh, our physio team to do. You know, speaking of missing pieces, Reese James on the in the in the stands there with that fresh green cut. Wow, I, uh, I feel Flash like he... in the Gucci North Face. What what a what a kind of move. All right. Well, huge shout outs to uh, Nathan joining us on Patreon. Uh, we'll see you in the Discord, uh, and then Apple Podcast reviews are. Are, are going strong, Dan. Yeah. Mrs. SW4 from Great Britain and Bryce Stone leaving wonderful five-star views on our podcast. Uh, thanks for doing that. You can also leave them for the Blue Royalty feed as well. That's uh, in double digits now in terms of five-star reviews. So we appreciate the support for Jesse, Abdullah, and Nick and what they kind of do week in, week out. Now twice a week on that feed. So go leave a five-star review there. And then uh, on Spotify, we're uh, still above 1,500 reviews, 4.9. And uh, look, we'd like, just like to get to 1.6. Uh, that, that's our wish for this holiday is just more five-star reviews uh, makes us feel good makes people find us and uh, you know it's good use of your time it's free you don't have to contribute a single dime you just have to press that five-star button right there and it's like we, we receive a hit of dopamine every time it's great all right well let's jump into it it was Manchester United at the bridge this past Saturday the 22nd of October in the Premier League in case you missed it Chelsea won United also one goal is coming from Jorginho in the 87th minute off a penalty in Casemiro uh, in late into stoppage time. Uh, so we'll go ahead and kick it over to the fifth stand up, the official FC, Chelsea FC app <laughs> from our friends over there. They'll run you by all the highs and lows of this one. When we get back, we'll jump into the lineup. Here we go. Anthony fancies whipping one. It's a good save from Kappa because I think that was creeping in. I think this is close. Good run from Aspilicueta. Well, same to Aubameyang, and oh, it needed that intervention from Rafael Varane. Good attempt. by Casimiro, Fernandez, Marcus Rashford, real chance here, good save, Kepa. Stood up, made sure he got the block in. Coming on now, here's Rashford. He's going to have a go, good save from Kepa. And the rebound went to Loftus Cheek. Found the space here, Kovacic. Oh, and Sterling might be able to get to this, or maybe a Bama Yang! Oh, I'll tell you what, David De Gea hoped for the best there as he saw the ball go past him. He wasn't sure whether it was on or off target. There is Sting in the tail before the break here, because Anthony's got the chance to put United ahead. It was a brilliant chance, and he's not able to take it. It's a much better delivery to Chalabar, and touched over by De Gea, I think. Well, referee's given a goal kick. This perhaps to win the game for Chelsea. A massive moment. Jorginho versus De Gea. a good-looking cross from Shaw. Oh, and it's... Is it over the line? It's not like it. it. Unbelievable no, save. It hasn't. It's a goal. Right at the death. Manchester United look like they've pinched a point. All right, lineup time, Dan. Uh, another... I mean, this is definitely the biggest talking point per usual before the matches. What is G-Pot's going to do? A uh, little bit more of the same. You guys are welcome what? for that. You can borrow oh. it. That's fine. Uh, what if I choose not to? <laughs> well, Never I mean, tell Graham that you called him that. 
up to you. Yo, G Potts, what's up, man? What's up? Oof, that's tough. Well, anyway, there was a lineup, but we'll get into that here. It was kept with the blogger between the six. Defenders included Marco Correa, Thiago Silva, and Trev Chalba, still undefeated. And Ben Chilwell, Jorginho, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Azpilicueta made up your uh, midfield, quote-unquote. And mm. then you had Aubameyang, Raheem Sterling, and Mason Mount all on the forward line. Subs included Armando Broya, Carnes, also known as Chuck Wameka. You had Christian Pulisic, Mateo Kovacic all coming in, unused subs. Uh, yeah, I mean, there were a few of them. I mean, do we even really need to talk about them? I don't know. They weren't used, so probably not. All right, some of the top-line stats. Chelsea uh, at home with 47% possession. We had six shots, only two on target to United's 13 shots, six on target for them. Um, for the first time in a long time, I can remember we were out past at the bridge. We had 11 tackles, there, 17. We had 18 clearances, there, 16. Six corners, though, to their four. Uh, a couple offsides for us, three to them. One caution for us, four to them, and eight fouls conceded to their 10. Optus, the analyst, has a 1.0 XG for us and a 0.85 XG for them. I think FB Ref had one for both sides. They, I think they definitely round a little bit more. This is a lot more detailed. Uh, so, I mean, there's not a lot to split between the teams, Nick, at least statistically, when you look at all 90 minutes, because we'll get into it. There's definitely, um, kind of chapters to this game without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in the moment, right. Especially as you score the penalty in the 87th minute, you're like, wow, we really deserve to win this game. Like we really fought back against adversity. And then you see these stats, and you're like, did we? And I think this is where, you know, Potter in his post-match press conference was like, I don't think we did enough to win the game. I think the stats clearly illustrate that. I don't think we did enough to win this game. Um, as frustrating as that can be to say and, and certainly to hear as fans, like you look at where the XG is on this uh, fun chart that Dan always likes to pull in. Dan, you'll note that I pulled in a different XG for the midweek in your face. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I, I just outpassed, outshot, sh- more shots on target, everything. Uh, it, it just wasn't, you know, it's not saying that United were phenomenal because I don't think they were either. But when I said mediocre meets mid, that's kind of what this looked like. And for everyone who was excited about a Chelsea United game because of what happened in like the early 2000s, that's not the level of quality that you saw today. This is more a sparkler than fireworks. Yep. Yeah, there, there's a lot to get into with uh, some of that as we work through kind of the different layers of this match. Uh, but at Optijo with the run, one random stat saying 26, no Premier League fixture has been drawn as often as Chelsea against Manchester United, 26. <laughs> Indeed, seven of the last nine meetings between the sides have finished level, including each of the last five in a row stalemate. So my Friday preview video, I definitely said on YouTube, 1-1 draw. And then in my pre-match live stream, I saw the lineups come out. I was like, oh, no, we'll get them, 2-3-1, um, which could have worked. But as we'll see, we had absolutely nothing to offer going forward. So 1-1 yeah, was you definitely... You got to stick to your guns there. You got to stick to your guns. You got... You I got, got emotional. Little, I got hyped. Did. I got excited. I was like yeah. right before the match. No. Yeah. So anyways. Wouldn't um, know anything about that, so. 
I'll try to try to rein it in next time. Uh, anyways, all right, we're going to take our ad break. When we get back, jumping right into United's early dominance and how Chelsea turned it around. So thank you to sponsors for financially supporting the show, and we'll be right back. Uh, quick reminder, Nick, uh, that yes, I'm doing YouTube videos. Yes, we are crushing it on TikTok, but most importantly, Blue Royalty, as we said earlier, has a new feed. They should go like, subscribe, leave a review. Um, because we're double dipping for a little bit longer. Yeah, we're, we're going to double dip for a couple more weeks just to make sure everyone gets the transition note. But if you care about the Chelsea women's team uh, and you have enjoyed listening to Jesse Abdullah, myself, any rotating cast of characters, and you want more of that content, Blue Royalty, in your Apple Podcasts, in your Spotify, in your Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, go subscribe uh, go listen to all of the podcasts that are up there. Give us some extra downloads and then look for uh, the ability to uh, rate and review as well. That really, really helps us out, helps us build um, kind of standing within those different platforms. And so uh, please help you know support us and support that team. They're obviously playing uh, women's Champions League group stage right now. And they, the team just had a huge win over PSG in the first group stage match. So that uh, match review is out. And uh, yeah, really appreciate the support on that front. Thank you. All right. Well, as we mentioned, the first one we want to talk about is United's early dominance. Uh, early efforts showed lack of balance, depth. I think a lot of people immediately were like, uh-oh, Kukurea Chilwell again. Is this going to go better? Then we also found out there's a bit of a force change. Koulibaly, he had hid that he is having some knee issues in the back of his knee, and so he wasn't going to feature at all. Uh, but Potter still offered to go with the 3-4-3 three, three, uh, before quickly changing it into a back four. But for whatever reason, Dan, he felt like the back three, without having any defensive subs on the bench, minus Zakaria, which would have been the biggest gamble of gambles, um, he felt like that was the the formation to start with. Yeah, it is showing the lack of depth right now. Mm. And... We had depth heading into the season, but then when you lose Reese James, and then you lose <laughs> Bavana, and you lose Kuobali out to an injury, your defensive reinforcements become very limited. And that is going to present a problem potentially over the next uh, few weeks. We'll have three more Premier League games left, but we have a Carabao Cup uh, match against Manchester City. We have two more matches, uh, one probably more critical than the other. If you can win versus Salzburg, you've effectively locked up your first place and you can not have to worry about the match against Dynamo Zagreb. So it's just all happening at the wrong time. It's all happening similar to last season. It's just happening in October <laughs> instead of November. And so... Yeah, I mean, this was a makeshift 11. It doesn't feel like this should be considered a makeshift 11 when you consider, oh, yeah, Jorginho has long been a starter for Chelsea. Aspilicueta has been a long starter, but obviously his kind of season-over-season performance last two years has kind of dipped a little bit. Thank goodness for Trev Chalaba being who he is and mm -hmm. excelling in this moment and Thiago Silva being able to, you know, seed the future even though he hasn't uh, ever been the fastest guy on the pitch. I don't, I don't know, Nick. Like, I I kind of expected that this lineup, based upon all the issues that Graham Potter is facing at the moment with personnel deficiency, was going to be not to anyone's real liking, which, uh, you know, that's the nature of the business. Yeah, look, um, <clears throat> two things on this. I think, first, 
it's surprising that Kukurea has struggled in this left center back role as much as he has over the last few matches, given that he's played it for Potter before. And I would guess knows the expectations that come with that role. So it's a little surprising. Like I think some of it's down to personal performance and, you know, the player, but it was very clear from the off here, Brandon, that this was not the right formation to attack United with. They were overrunning our midfield like crazy. And while there were pockets of space on the wings, Keppa couldn't hit those passes out to the wings with any sort of regularity. We were the entire match. We were one or two passes away from breaking their stupid ass press, but we couldn't do it. We couldn't get the ball. We couldn't get a header flicked on. We couldn't get a, a channel runner going after we received the, the wing pass. We couldn't do the crossfield diagonal. And that had to be maddening for Potter because I'm, I'm sure he saw what I was seeing, which is if you get Espilicueta or, or Chilwell in an, any sort of decent space, like you, you back them to make the right pass and break this press. We just couldn't do it. And then, you know, you add to the fact that you, we were we were sitting so far back in that first half. We were basically inviting United in to, to attack us. Something had to change. And I feel bad for Kukurea because I think this was more Potter getting the formation wrong than it was about his performance necessarily, whereas I think the other night it was about his performance. Um, or I think Villa actually. It was about his performance. Today, I think it was a it was a bad uh it was a bad lineup decision. And it was clear once Kovacic came in and we had three in midfield that we were far more competitive and it allowed Jorginho to kind of sit in the hole a little bit more and distribute. And it gave Kovacic and, and Loftus-Cheek the ability to get forward and take on players one-on-one, which they kind of did to some effect. Uh, but look, I, I think this is like two or three matches in a row where you could argue that Potter's initial lineup didn't quite meet the moment. And I, I'm a little, you know, I think Dan's depth point is right, but I'm a little concerned about that, frankly. I mean, to the one point, though, on that, you know, with the Kovacic element, you know, afterwards, he's hurt. the yeah. quote from Potter, yeah, he has a knee issue. He's had a knee issue all season, and we're managing the knee issue. And so as much as we would say, yeah, on any given day, would you want Mateo Kovacic from the starting 11? You most likely would say, yes, I would like Mateo Kovacic from the starting 11. It's just not possible on a three-day change in between matches, Brandon, to expect that every player is going to be able to come in. I mean, it makes you ask a lot of questions about Zakaria and what mm-hmm. level he needs to be at to get into a match, but there is still a midfield gap that has been the midfield gap for multiple seasons that is just making it really difficult, particularly when the way that Erickson, Casemiro, and Fernandez lined up made it really difficult for us, and that's where we were getting kind of just passed around. My analysis when I saw the lineups come out, I was hopeful because they were in a 4-2-3-1 or they're in a 4-1-4-1, which is what I thought it was going to be with Erickson and Bruno pushed up and then Casemiro holding. And I was like, okay, great. You know, we can essentially have our two center mids um, match up to their attackers. And then our wingers can pinch in and essentially create overloads with Casemiro. And I was like, you find them, you turn, we burn, wing backs bombing down the sides. And that didn't happen. But what mm-hmm. we, but what did happen, and correct me if I'm wrong, we invited their press today. For like the first time, I feel like under Potter, we really were like playing short from the goalkeeper 
high possession. It looked Tuchel-esque at times. We were not very comfortable. We were we needed to break said press with finding our wingbacks. We were missing a Marcos Alonso type player who you could just lob one out there and you knew he would win it. Uh, and it didn't happen. And I'm looking at the press stats on FB Ref from us and them, and like they they pressed more. They had you know 15 more presses than us. They had like eight percent more press success than us. Not to get too nerdy in this, their top presses were Anthony, Marcus Rashford, Christian Eriksen, and Casemiro, right? Essentially midfielders and forwards. Our top four pressers were Mason Mount, then Jorginho, then Chilwell, then Aspie. <laughs> like, that meant we were pressing from the back in, they were pressing from the front out. And, and that, I think, explains a lot of the reason why uh, and then we can get into progressive passes and things like that because it just, it wasn't there. It came from Keppa was the most by a long shot, then Jorginho, then Chilwell. Again, like it, it it wasn't there for the day. The good news is Potter did make the change, which, which we needed, but the midfield is a problem. It doesn't, like Kovacic and Jorginho aren't Chapter a perfect pair. <laughs> Kovacic and Ruben aren't a perfect pair. Jorginho and Ruben are an okay pair, but like, it's not good enough. Without N'Golo Kante, our midfield is pedestrian. Uh, we don't have a great passer out of it. Kovacic will dribble his way out of trouble. Uh, Jorginho will short pass his way out of trouble. And Ruben is just kind of waiting for something to appear so he can just go attack space. It's Connor isn't even the answer yet either, although he's helpful because he's good in a tackle. <laughs> well, I mean, he's also good in a press. I mean, like, I, yeah. think, I think this is where... You know, look, I mean, kind of talked about the wingbacks, but this is where we we got so over-reliant on these wingbacks to make up the numbers in midfield, right, to help both uh, advance the ball and to uh, basically help defend, right, to help, you know, close in when Jorginho did one of his crazy presses that inevitably got him passed up in midfield. And then you'd have Chilwell slot over and help defend, right? Like, we've become so over-reliant on those positions that when we do move to a four, it's where it's where the team has to get better positionally, right? They have to keep some positional dis discipline. I saw too many times yesterday, Jorginho goes on a wild press, Kovacic follows him, and then poor Ruben's just back there kind of by himself covering a ton of ground. And like, frankly, he did okay with it. But it's not a recipe for success, I would say. It's not the way that you're going to win matches. So that, to me, Dan, is where I get a little bit, like, angsty. Add in the fact that, like, Ruben's an injury-prone player who has had a really good run of health, and knock on wood, that continues. Jorginho's not fully fit. Kovacic isn't fully fit. This is, like, duct tape right now. And it's a matter of you're, you're at home. It's a Manchester United team who has only recently found form and you end up with less than 50% of the ball. And this Manchester United spell that has been over us the past couple of years of just giving them way too much respect for the legacy way too much. is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous that this United side, and look, there were some strong performances, right? Martinez, definitely a player. Casemiro, I think, had a really strong game. But in general, their attack didn't, offer a whole much a whole much to kind of look at and be challenged by and you just gave them a lot of opportunity to harass you to buy early fouls to run the narrative of the game 
And it was only very late in the match where we had those kind of late subs where we started to punch back, I think, at equal measure. Because in general, it felt very flat. And that's not what I would anticipate from this side, Brandon. All right. Well, let's let's highlight the rock bottom that was the first 35 minutes. And then because that's really chapter one. We've talked about the formation yeah. not working, that we got outpressed. Yep. statistically uh so a, a new source mark r stats is making his debut in the script uh gave us some stats <laughs> congratulations for to mark by the way for hey, making it big just win illustrious big win unbelievable if you guys could tweet at him just let him know because he probably didn't know um said after the first thir- or up to the first 35 minutes the field tilt was 40 percent chelsea 60 percent united essentially they had the upper hand uh you think of like an arm wrestling duo right like they were definitely like in our side they had the leverage uh, the defensive line height we are at 38.4 out they were at 43.7 again we were far far closer to our goal than than they were uh, and then the top stats, and and I think this is good to see how we grew from here, but our XG was 0. 0.02. Is that bad? Uh, I also have some some bad news for the second half, but yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> They're 0. 0.45. Their expected threat, we were 0. 0.16. They were 0. 0.35 over double. Possession, again, 43.57. Um, and our buildup completion, we were sub 80%. They were almost 85%. So again, this is really like, basement level this was as bad as it got in this game we'd made some changes but like this is all-time bad and i think everybody was super frustrated nick at just how bad this was and the good news is if you check twitter we had all kinds of solutions that we were thrown out there yeah i it was all-time bad especially if you were me watching it with your manchester united buddy um and just terrible decision why'd you do that it, it was a look poor tactical adjustment by me. I'll admit that. I think I, I didn't show halftime. up. I, I didn't show up ready to play today, and uh, that's that's definitely on me. But Nick went on a beer run for the second yeah, half and never yeah. came back. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. All right. Take it easy. Uh, yeah. No. It, it was it was really terrible to watch. And, and your your thought about uh, inviting pressure was accurate. Like, why were we? in a press scenario, so casual about where players were positioned. Like Keppa was just kind of lackadaisically passing it to Tiago Silva or Jorginho or Trev Chalaba or Asby. And we never got out of like our 18 yard box. It felt like in those scenarios. And you want to know why the field tilt was that way. It's because of that. We, and then when we would go long, we'd lose it immediately because they had numbers back it was it was weird that was a weird thing to me it's like why play short when you're essentially going to get the shit pressured out of you so you're going to hurriedly pass it back to kepa and he's going to lump it and you knew you weren't you weren't set up to win that anyway so it's like why did you play short (laughs) put numbers forward so and a weird head-on can do it for you you know exactly I, I, that blew my mind. I was like, you're playing short. You're putting yourself pressure. He lumps it. But we're so far sucked back that there's 0% chance Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is going to win a header <laughs> in these scenarios. And even if he does, no one's around. So why not just set up, push the line higher? Anyways, I that 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 hurt my brain a little bit. And as, as long as we're talking about first half subs, then why wouldn't you, if you're, if you change to our completely rational scenario, Brandon, why wouldn't you just take out Raheem Sterling and put on Broya who can win those balls. Well, uh, uh, yeah. 
he he's definitely a uh, uh, one that uh, will will match up here in, in a second. But yeah, Dan, I guess a- anything else from your perspective on like the basement level beginning to this performance before we talk about the changes? Well, I'll say to maybe transition us into the talk about the change is that it's nice to have a manager who says, yep, this isn't working. I'm going to make a change where I could actually have time to impact the end result. I yes. don't think it's going to be long before he subs a sub. <laughs> I just thought about that yesterday when Kova came on. I go, at some point, he's going to sub a sub. I'm like, it's going to happen. I, But I mean, on a... On a serious point, I think Graham Potter does not look at the game in terms of halves. I think he looks at the game in terms of like smaller time increments. Um, you don't have to call those quarters. You can just call them smaller time increments for those Quartiles. who are angry, <laughs> angry at me. But like the first third of the game goes, right? And he's like, this isn't working. Like we got to figure out what we can do to balance out the midfield. And so he does it. And the, even the way he made some of his late changes, it was a late phase adjustment, right? Like I, that's kind of what I've noticed about him. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys or not, but like, yeah, if he subs a sub, I think it's because it's simply a phased approach to a game and not necessarily ultimately due to like an extremely poor performance, because if that would have been the case, Raheem would have got pulled early yesterday. Um, and, and I think he's just looking at the game a lot differently than like you or me or anyone. So I, I think it's pretty well established uh, with the pros that they kind of look at the game in 15 minute increments. You know, mm-hmm. how do you come out in the first 15? Um, and then, you know, when you get a goal, can you survive the next? So I do think that they kind of chop it up into each half into thirds a little bit. I mean, Kovacic came out in 36 minutes. So clearly after 30 minutes. You know, Potter could say, nope, not working. Go get warm, like really warm because you're going right in. You know, subs coming in at the 75th minute, right? So that would have been, you know, heading into the last third where, you know, 75th to 80th minute, three three different players came on. Uh, so I, I could definitely see that, and I think you're right. So the change that was made was obviously Kovacic on for Kukurea. Uh, Kukurea, to be fair, when he came off, the camera was right on him. He seemed to accept it. I think he understood it was not working and why Potter made the change. And again, I'm just saying from a mentality standpoint, that's now twice he's been hooked early by Potter. He seemed to be taking it well. I, a really, I think a really good coach would build this into their game plan, Dan. Like, guys, if we go out there and it's not working, I got to make adjustments. There's no fucking complaining when you come off. We're, we're trying to win games here. Like, this is what it is. And if you're the sacrificial lamb, accept it, be a good teammate, move on. Like, because I I don't think Graham Potter is the type of manager who's going to accept temper tantrums from players. And I, he's not going to be the one that certainly engages in those moments. Like he's far too cerebral for that. But I think you saw Kukurea come off and instantly be engaged with his teammates, which is proof of being a good teammate. Like, even when it didn't work out for you, you still want the team to win. I, I give him a ton of credit for that. Well, and it's, uh, you know, and, and there is a little bit, maybe more of a relationship there than with Trust, other players yeah. because of yeah. the, the background and coming from Brighton. Yeah, I mean, I think just in general, happy he made the change early, happy he had an opportunity to see things that weren't working and to see that Kovacic, even though he came in and there is a 
potentially larger injury concern looming if he gets overused in this period. And you look at the next string of matches, you're like, wow, he probably is going to get overused. So I would imagine the thought is, hey, let's see if we can make it to halftime, to 60 minutes. And if it's all square, I can bring in Kovacic and have him for for the last 30 and everything is okay. So I I don't think went to script here, which maybe puts into question how much we'll see him over the next one to two matches as we look to round out this last run. But I think in general, gave us the opportunity to win back control and set the stage for, for what came next, Brandon. All right. Well, what came next was pretty uh, significantly different. Uh, As we talked about, Kovic came on, immediately wrestled control back into this one. Potter even said that pretty much verbatim post-match. No surprise there. Uh, Maybe you could be surprised at how well it worked and how quickly it worked. I mean, it was damn near instant. Um, And then he brought on Broya and Carnes late in the match. Pulisic came on a few minutes before that. Um, Broya won the crucial penalty. He was a handful. Uh, Chuck Omeka was running everywhere, uh, on the pressures. I think he was two for two, albeit a small sample size. You know, he was highly energetic. And I think that speaks a lot to the confidence Potter has in him as a young player. Remember he played midweek against Brentford turned Mm -hmm. 19 and is now playing against United at home. So big week for the guy. Uh, and continuing to be trusted. But again, Nick, you you visually passing the eye test could tell that this changed the match. What I would say, that was one of the most boring second halves I've seen in a long time. Like, yeah, it was, we it was a bad watch. Nullified it. They didn't have shit going forward, but it also came at our expense of it, our stats. Guys, we, we had nothing going forward. Like, absolutely nothing. We had... 0.1.1 XG, one from a bombing and one from Trevo, outside of the penalty, right? We didn't provide shit. Our shots, we had two from Trevo, two from Ruben, one from uh, Aubameyang, and that was it. Like, <laughs> we, we had nothing to note, but we completely nullified them, so I guess that's the, the trade-off. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you can't, you can't keep, you have to stop the bleeding first, right? And I think that's what the, the midfield adjustments did, but I mean, when you look at when you look at some of the late attacking substitutions, I think this is where we got a little too conservative for from my tastes. And again, my tastes don't mean shit because I'm not the manager of this team. But the game was there to be won. Clearly, I mean, it's nil nil. They're not really, you know, the, most of their threat was in the first half um, compared to the second half. I think that we had a, a really you know, solid approach to the second half, but nothing special. We didn't we didn't have that final ball. And then when we did have the final ball, uh, either a deflection that was going to go right to Aubameyang on the far post or the uh, Raheem uh, no shot, essentially. I mean, those were the two that I can remember, Dan. Like, it just wasn't. It just wasn't clinical enough. And that, that's when I think, like, the Pulisic sub came too late. The Broya and Karn subs came a little bit too late. I know they're young players, and that's putting a lot on them. But, I, you know, if it's not working, you got to try something else. And while I praise the Kovacic one in the first half, I think these came a little too late. And if you remember the moment after Potter made his changes, Ten Hag made his changes. And so it felt like there was also the, well, I don't want to be the first one to make a move. I'm going to try to give 
my players on the pitch an opportunity to work it. Yeah, obviously, I think Mason got a you know, pretty sweet looking ball in that got, you know, if Veron doesn't make a crazy interception, would have been the Aubameyang tap in in the, the half. So, I mean, I think there's, there was attacking movement that looked better. Yeah, you know, for 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 yeah, you know, from first half to second half, but it just wasn't consistent. You weren't getting enough snips of goal. You weren't putting yourself forward enough. You weren't maintaining possession. Obviously, I think you know Aspi and Mount when they were on the right together wasn't a, a really dynamic pairing, uh, particularly with Ruben. I think you maybe struggled just a touch in this game, um, but overall, it was just a an average kind of total team performance. And yeah, I think the, the stats and the end results kind of map that out. I mean, we had 147 uh, touches in the attacking third. They had 155, but again, ours were just the, like, you would say that they were far more threatening, you know, and it, it just wasn't there to only have one shot on target all match. Like, all right, we had to grind this one out. I was kind of hoping going into this one too, like, oh, look, they just had a big result midweek against Tottenham. They don't have as much depth. You know, they're, they're probably going to be a little bit leggier. Granted, we had a nil-nil draw against Brentford, but it probably was less emotionally draining. Like, I'm sure the intensity level was less. So I was just kind of hoping that Chelsea would come out and like really go at them and do it. Didn't feel like it was there. I think you guys summed it up perfectly before, even with the the subs and we we're able to kind of regain some some stuff we're we're lacking any type of like cutting edge ball or cutting edge you know play it in the build up in the final third but like we respected them far too much and mm-hmm. we were very quick to sit back let them possess we had less possession than them and we we were kind of coming at it in my opinion from a, a a smaller club mentality thinking that like we shouldn't be able to go out there and just dice them up and i was i was a little frustrated with that approach but i can understand um i think after the fact how much potter is talking about the load management of these players the fact that you guys kovacic isn't even 100 healthy he's managing pain and then we kind of connected the dots of like well now we have new medical team coming in we're trying to solve these maybe structural problems that are in Chelsea because you know with N'Golo Kante being out Reese Chilwell last season we had so many injuries last season and stuff it's just like it it sounds like Potter is dealing with a lot more than what any of us as fans are privy to and I think I'm having to kind of take a step back and accept some of those things and understand that um, you know this squad might be hanging on by a hamstring at this point and that's not something that he wants to gamble with and i get why that's a it's a draw that feels like a loss right because you you drop points but yeah i mean if you really look at where this team is out is is at right now um the injury list is far too long the crucial players injured list is incredibly long recent content and fafana right tiago silva is not didn't look fully fit yesterday. Uh, Kovacic, if he goes out, what the hell do you do in midfield? Mason Mount, if he goes out, what do you do for attacking creation? I mean, there there are a lot of players on this on this list right now. Chilwell getting back up to full fitness. Um, you know, Espelicueta probably not an every every match player anymore, right? So, uh, what we just named seven or eight players of the team right there. I mean, it's it's a real problem. This team is going to have to survive until 
Uh, I think the Newcastle match was our last one, right? Or is it Zagreb? No, Newcastle's the last match okay. before the so, World Cup break. So we have to survive until Newcastle, which coincidentally we will be watching in person in Kansas City. But I mean, this is a this is a problem. <laughs> they they have essentially three weeks right to survive, to get through the Champions League group stage, and to just get as many points in the Premier League as possible. Keep yourself in a decent position in the league. If they can do that, it will be an amazing load management for for the team, for Potter, for because he inherited some stuff here, right? And obviously had some you know, a couple of really difficult circumstances pop up with Reese and Fafana. So I I just get to this stage and then see which players come back from the World Cup semi healthy and which ones don't. I mean, th- there's no control he has past that point, Dan. Yeah, the the thing to keep in mind is so you'll you'll come back. And it's the Boxing Day fixture period, and you're going to struggle to get a new player in. So you're hoping that there's fitness returns for Reese James is available at the beginning part of that. You know, Fofana, maybe he's back and healthy at that point, too, and your your defensive element is restored. Maybe N'Golo Conte is, what, February, March at this point? At that kind of a optimistic outlook. So you have... After the break, home to Bournemouth, away to Forest, and then home to City before the 14th of January, where then you would have Palace and Liverpool. And so, like, maybe by the second or third week, you sign that player that you want, you know, maybe an Alvarez in midfield or something of that nature. So you're going to have to make do with who's healthy and available post-World Cup. If there are also some, you know, three kind of critical matches in short time frame, um, to, to get it right because it's the 26th, 31st, and 2nd. No pressure. Well, and also, like, if you're one of these young players who isn't going to the World Cup, let's let's call it a Broya. Let's call it a Chukomeka. You know, I, I don't know if Gallagher is going to be on the 55-man England squad that they're putting out this week uh, or whatever. And the Dev squad. Yeah. If you're yeah. one of these young guys, boy, is you this an opportunity. opportunity. Yeah, I mean, this is for and and not like a fake opportunity like we used to have under like Conte or sorry or any of these guys like this is a we may not have a warm body to fill (laughs) in a role. Can you please come play in the first team? Like it's it's that serious right now. Well, and it's how Ruben's gotten his chances, right? He's not gone away over international breaks. You know, he started that Palace match mm-hmm. right away and hasn't mm-hmm. turned back really. So, uh, just to tie off what the the jump was, so the post thirty five minutes to the end, uh, we jumped up according to their stats uh, to a one point three five xg. Uh, Manchester United only had a point one nine. Obviously, we had the penalty, so if, I mean that's like a point eight point nine. Just so we're keeping track at home. Uh, expected threat, we went up to a 0.68. They're a 0.67, which is nice and even. Ball possession went to 50-50 split. Field tilt was a 60-40 split in our favor. Defensive line height, we pushed up to 45.846. They dropped to 33. And then our buildup completion stayed eh, at 77. But United's dropped from over 80 down to 75%. So again, spent a lot of time killing them off. We did create more, but... Uh, you know, we, we still we still have a little bit to improve as far as like actual clear cut chances. So anyways, we're going to take a last break when we get back, though. Uh, problem of resources, question mark, and essentially where we go from here. Thank the sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, Dan, uh, the 
how we frame this last part of a problem of resources is that it, it's probably not a short-term problem. You just brought up uh, Alvarez. That sounds like a short-term solution. We're going to see what Bully does. We know that there's potential. Can you limp across uh, the top four finish line this year and then maybe really splash the catch for some top targets? Um, I think that it's going to be, uh, you know, as we start to or as we continue to build up the scouting and kind of the strategic leadership department at Chelsea with the technical and sporting director, um, we're going to have to see how they really hit the ground running uh, very quickly. Because again, since Potter's arrival in eight matches played were five wins, three draws, no losses, 13 goals for three goals against with an 11.1 XG and a 6.24 XG against. And Golakante has pretty much never been available. I'd actually, I don't think he has been available for Potter. Fofana and Reese no. James out with long-term injuries as well. Uh, what do you think? What do you what do you think we're we're looking at? We talked about you know getting across the the three weeks to the World Cup, but again, who knows what's on the other side of that World Cup? <laughs> well, I asked the question afterwards because uh, you know Champions League is different, but you have three more matches against sides in the Premier League. Yeah, obviously probably the 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 two of the biggest ones being our match against Arsenal, uh currently league leaders who just drew today, and then Newcastle, who are going up against Spurs as we record right now, and then a match away away to Brighton. And so you have a massive opportunity mm-hmm. to not only pick up nine potential points, but to take points away from a team that is pressing forward to try to make it in the top four with uh, a large injection of uh, a, a a country uh, funding their club, and then a Arsenal team that dropped points for the first time in a very long time today that you could make up significant ground on and really solidify yourself in the top four because then it's, it's anyone's game the second half of the season. Like your you, teams might be ravaged by injury. Players may not be available for a significant period when they come back to the Premier League. That could also be us as well. And so you want to be you, you have the time to control this part. What happens after the World Cup is a little more random, a little more chaotic. And so in that regard, I think maximizing those three matches you have to win versus Zagreb so that you can get done with the or sorry with uh, Salzburg so you don't have to worry about that game and you basically can take some of those young players that Nick was talking about you know maybe you get Charlie Webster's been training with the first team you start throwing in some of the young guns here and giving them an opportunity to get ready for what could be critical opportunities for them to be involved in those first three games post World Cup mm-hmm. I I just I think it's a a realization that Potter has done extremely well over the string of it in the entirety of the context, even if this match didn't feel great. That was what I was trying to kind of frame Nick. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I don't think his last three matches have nece- uh, necessarily like inspired me from a football perspective, but of course, a lot of that is understandable with all the context that we just gave. I think. I think he has to figure out a way to give crucial players a break without the level dropping. And I think that's not worked so far. Um, Like giving Kovacic a break yesterday didn't work, (laughs) right? Uh, Giving Mason Mount a break hasn't necessarily worked, right? And even when he tried to against Brentford, 
uh, you know, unfortunately, Connor, uh, <laughs> Connor had a bit of a difficult situation there. So, um, you know, I, I think I think a lot of it's been bad luck to this point. But, you know, history doesn't remember bad luck. They just remember it just remembers results, you know. Um, and so I, I look at this as an opportunity for the team to show the kinds of character that I think they have, um, especially after everything they've been through over the last, call it, year, uh, post-Lukaku's statement on. And I think there is a huge opportunity, Brandon, for players who have been underutilized to this point. And I think there are some stronger shouts for Pulisic now. I think there are some strong shouts for Broya. I think... You know, Havertz needs to figure it out, as we talked about midweek. Uh, Connor Gallagher, you know, you, you start looking down the line at players who haven't started every match this year. And if they can figure out a way to come in against the Zagreb, against Salzburg, against any of these matches that we have coming up and positively contribute to a Chelsea win, just how much that would lift those players who normally start, I think there has to be the right balance in there. That's that's my thought. There, I have a feeling that they splashed a ton of cash in the summer. They're probably going to be a little reluctant to do it in January, especially in a post-World Cup window. Is Todd mm-hmm. Bowley going to be sporting director again? Is someone else going to be there? I think that they're already looking ahead to uh, next summer, right, and trying to find those long-term key targets. And if that's the case, if that's the way they play it, then these young players are absolutely gonna have minutes to play but we've already seen the trust there the fact that he's bringing in chuck omeka uh late in the game hakim ziish is not playing kai Havertz is not playing right these are very big calls for him um and so there's there's gonna continue to be a lot of games to be played we haven't even started the efl cup although it might be a short run (laughs) as we play man city away in the in the first leg fa cup hasn't started continue champions league so yeah i mean i think that this is probably largely gonna be the team for this season and they're gonna continue to get chances continue to get minutes um and and that's only gonna be positive for their development potter is known for being a long-term uh, approach as a manager as best as he can. I mean, look, you got to win week in, week out, uh, but he has a track record of taking uh, maybe a, a team who's 6 out of 10 and growing them into an 8 out of 10 and surprising people. So if you can take an 8 out of 10 Chelsea and grow them into a 10 out of 10, which is really the challenge he's being tasked with, um, we are going to be on for a wild ride. And think of how successful that'd be for the club. If Broya is a week-in, week-out player, if Connor Gallagher is a week-in, week-out player, you know, if you can turn on Pulisic's career at Chelsea, I mean, you will be the, <laughs> the savior of all Chelsea fans, I think, in general. Um, you know, Trevor Chalaba playing week-in, week-out, Reese James, and just all of these players, uh, what uh, a legacy that would be at Chelsea. Let's talk about Trev really quick because I know this is not necessarily a solve, but the dude has been fucking fantastic. Like his best match of the season was yesterday for my money. He was dominant in the air. Um, did not get beat for that last header. FYI. Um, and I think really in tough possession situations handled himself. Well, this was a really great performance from a guy who was an afterthought two months ago. 
I mean, he wanted to leave, you know, didn't think he was going to get any opportunities with Aspie and Fafana essentially ahead of him. Now you can't see the team without him. And, and I think what Trev Chalaba's opportunity this year is, can he play himself into the England squad? That's how good he's been. Um, It's been absolutely fantastic. There is no guy on the team that I love to see thrive more than Trev Chalaba. I just absolutely love him. Or if you have a completely healthy back line, can you potentially hear me out? Crazy thought. You've said it before. Put him in midfields. Stop it. At the base of the midfield. Yeah. And let him operate there because he could very easily then drop back into a central position and join the defense. Like, if you're looking for something, and I think right now you can't look at him anywhere else outside of that back three, back four because of our lack of individuals there. But boy, oh boy, I would be very interested to see Trev in the midfield if you have a Thiago Silva, a Fafana, um, a Reese James, and potentially, you know, cool Bali healthy. Interesting wrinkle, particularly if. Conte is not going to be back for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, and on the other side of it, uh, I think there are some questions being asked about Raheem right now. And like, this is supposed to be like a leader in the team, a guy who steps up in big performances, obviously has never played well against Manchester United at Liverpool or at city zero goals. I think in those fixtures, over 25 matches, Um, it was, it was something like shocking just in general. It's a, yeah, it's like a it's like one of those fluke numbers that's a part of a trivia game at some point. But man, he has not looked the same since Potter came in. Uh, he's not looked like the the same sort of aggressive player. And when you're kind of in a front two, and if you get an opportunity to shoot and you don't take it, it's what made us crazy about basically every single attacker that we had last year. Just rip it. I mean, it's not as if De Gea is the world's best goalkeeper. I mean, he's playing all right this year. Don't get me wrong, but, like, rip it, man. No one's ever going to default you for taking a shot at Chelsea Football Club. That's my stance. Like, if you have a shot and you're the guy and you've already scored a couple of good goals this year, rip it. Yeah. Uh, Chalba scored three goals in his career. Everyone wants him to shoot when he gets near the... Almost had one today, too. Yeah. I mean, it's just... I don't know, man. Uh, I'm a little concerned about that, though, because if he's not playing well... Ziyech? Like, obviously, Pulisic, Broya, we've, we've talked about that, but, like, it gets a little thin up there, too. Yeah, we're going to have to figure something out uh, for the Salzburg match away uh, coming up on Tuesday. Uh, but the last thing we want to touch on, and, and quite honestly, uh, might be the most important thing, is that the fact that we, again, uh, it was a Rainbow Laces match. It's an inclusion campaign, right? It's not a pro-gay, pro anything it's just inclusion it's be nice to people right but obviously people have 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 blown it out of proportion people have freaked out as if like you know at some point it's kind of funny the people who are usually most upset about this are actually the minority they just don't realize it (laughs) that their actions in in words are not of the majority um and the club had to address this because there's a homophobic chant sung by the united fans like factual Right. Like all game, all game too. Like this was not just one period of time. It, it's, it was disgusting. And as Chelsea fans, we've had to, uh, uh, accept and address our own flaws. Uh, but at this point sure. it was United. Right. And so Chelsea put out the, the typical PR statement, 
Uh, it's unacceptable. We condemn the language. Uh, we're proud to be supporting Stonewall's Rainbow Laces campaign. Today acts as proof that we must do more to make football a game for everyone. Uh, this year, we are educating, celebrating, communicating, and motivating allyship and action for our players, employees, fans, and society. Again, um, this thankfully didn't seem to be a Chelsea problem. It was a United problem. Uh, the biggest concern out of all this, Dan, might be Eric Ten Hag's response when it was brought up to him at the behavior of their fans. I think it was the false equivocation that he tried to provide. And look, if there's a player down and injured and, you know, yeah, it's it sucks when other op you know opposition players are cheering or booing. It sounds like also I think he hit the flag at a certain point on his way off, which I think definitely increased the amount of jeering uh, and booing that he received. But it's the saying, well, this is bad. And look, I'll admit, like, yeah, it's not great to be booing an individual who's down and injured and, you know, basically saw, I think, their World Cup campaign gone. But that is a fan cultural element. The other is a, you know, through this, this CPS is a criminal offense now in the UK. Like, it is a, a crime. You can be punished for it, and there are legal repercussions for what you did. On top of it, just being aberrant, as a, a thing to do. And so when he says, hey, it doesn't belong in the stands, which, good to say, uh, but when I call the stands, I mention the stands because I mean the whole stadium. Because also when Rafa Varane came out, it was the same, the other side, the Chelsea fans. So we all don't do it. And look, I, you're not necessarily looking to football managers to have the moral high ground on many things, uh, Nicholas. But I mean, he, he Ten Hag is not, you know, put him, you know, covered himself in glory here and nor has he done so in, in his past either it, it's such a easy thing to go yeah we shouldn't do it like this this shouldn't have been done i condemn it and move on like all you have to say is that was wrong i do not want to see this at manchester united and move on they're a publicly traded company like this is a bad bad look for a publicly traded company this is a a stock you can buy in the u.s like it's it's a horrific look regardless of that, but especially at a publicly traded company. It's, it's also a terrible horrible. hole in your portfolio. It has not beat the index. Uh, uh, <laughs> sure, sure hasn't. No, it's sunk like a rock. But um, but at the same point, like we have had the opportunity to have uh, Tracy from Chelsea Pride on multiple times throughout the last handful of years. Uh, Tracy has been on the on the Chelsea Women's Pod a bunch. Uh, they Ch Tracy runs Chelsea Pride with a number of other individuals. Who are, who are simply asking for a place at football matches where they aren't being discriminated against. Not too much to fucking ask, by the way. Um, you know, I think we have never gone to a football match as straight white guys and been discriminated against. <laughs> so, you know, we, we might get yelled at by opposing fans, like let's say at Leeds for wearing the wrong color for, for their taste, but like we've never been discriminated against in that way. And so I think... It's just absurd that in 2022, for for this match in particular, that they came armed with all sorts of discriminatory language and chants and stuff like that. And it just shows how long of a road we have to travel here. I don't want to beat this to death because I think the club already has and Chelsea are frequently targets of this sort of chant language. I'm not going to repeat the chant because I think it empowers it, but I really hope that we can all just be adults and and stop discriminating each other. If you heard the stories that Tracy has experienced in the stands, the threats, the violence that's been 
uh, kind of shouted her way. Anyone in their right mind would think twice about uh, saying anything remotely of this kind of ilk. So I really hope that we can grow up. And and again, our plea is to attack this in a much better way than Ten Hag did. And we've tried to do that. And all we're saying is you are a power in a place of position and power and leadership for you to point and compare what happened to Chelsea fans jeering uh, a United player as he goes off are worlds apart. I mean, Rafael Varane has played in how many El Clasicos? Do you think he's ever been <laughs> yeah. booed and jeered? Like, that? this isn't yeah. the same whatsoever, right? No. He signed up and is, and is compensated well to go out there and, and have, you know, perform on this stage. Fans slurring and spreading homophobia and just and just negativity is not it. It would just separate the things, Ten Hag. Like deal with them one at a time. But again, if you want to be the manager of Manchester United, you better grow a spine as well because it's going to be a long ride for you. This is an Ajax where you walk the Air Divisie. This is you're gonna to have to have some stones, my man. Gee, I wonder if Manchester United are a beloved club for other opposing fans in the Premier League. I don't think so, man. Like, sorry. Get over it. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, hard pivot to Dan in the match. Only when we draw or win, or if Dan wants to surprise us. I was actually surprised we had one, but I think it was good. You did. I dropped it in the live stream. It exploded. I had to shut it down. How did it go? This was not an easy one for you. I don't know. I thought it was pretty easy. I thought it was an easy one to define who had the best performance. And look, uh, no surprise. The people agreed with me. That's just how this works. Um, Trev Chalaba with 65% of the vote. Uh, Kepa coming in in second place with 29. Uh, Tiago Silva with 4%. And then uh, Other had a, I gave a write-in option because I think beyond those three, I was struggling. I think Kovacic could also have been a shout to be included. But this is Chalaba running away with it all day long. Uh, he got the official Chelsea man of the match as well. So good to see that they are scraping our data. Uh, <laughs> 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 the fan sentiments are there. Uh, some of the other results from around the league. I'm interested to hear what Nick thought. Nottingham Force beating Liverpool for the early match on Saturday. Everton smacking Crystal Palace 3-0. Palace were doing all right. Man City whooping up on Brighton 3-1. Obviously, we drew with United. And then you get to today where Leicester City, four, Wolves, nil. That was, an I think, an 18 versus 20. Leicester were desperate for that one, and they got an early pen and it just all went their way. Villa post Steven Gerrard. Uh, quotes from the caretaker manager that have been leaked said, I'm ripping up the Stevie G play. We are starting over. They won 4 nothing against Brentford, who we drew Whoa. midweek. <laughs> so, oh, boy. Not a good look for Mr. Gerard. Uh, Arsenal dropping points. 1-1 against Southampton. Uh, Fulham beating Leeds in a shootout 3-2. And as it stands, Newcastle are currently throttling Tottenham 2-0. Guys, wait till you see the first goal. Hugo Uris came out to try to like trap thigh groin the ball out. Runs into Callum Wilson, flops down, and then Callum dinks it in, and the bar let it stand. It was hilarious. I hope they pull it off. West Ham Bournemouth play on Monday. Uh, yeah, I, Nottingham Forest beating Liverpool is just peak. Like there, there was there were many memes that were talking about Liverpool's miraculous victory over Man City last week. 
only to come out and shit the bed to 19th place Nottingham Forest. Uh, that that was a, a difficult loss for them. Uh, I would I would also say uh, the Southampton draw with Arsenal. May this please be a bit of Arsenal reverting to the mean. May this please just be the first step in a seventh place finish for Arsenal this season, based on their uh, based on their previous form. Uh, I, and, and I also joked before the for the pod, what kind of idiot team would draw or lose to Southampton? I certainly can't remember one, especially no, no seeing idea. it seeing it in person. Don't think it happens. It was pretty terrible. So, uh, so yeah, and then I I would also just want to give a huge, huge. <laughs> Just hilarious shout out to Everton, who I can't I, I watched that game. I couldn't believe that they were three nil up at the end. I, it just none of it made any sense. It was like the like run of play game. I thought that Palace did OK with possession. I thought they moved the ball pretty well. I thought they had some pretty good chances at the end of the day. I think Everton just came through and scored all of them actually had a really nice goal at the end, too. And a lot of people were saying it's it's great to see Lampard beating Vieira. So, look, all good. Absolutely. Now, the crazy part is, is if this result stands, that Newcastle beat Tottenham, uh, we actually drop to fifth place, albeit we have a game mm-hmm. in hand against those teams. So Arsenal in top on 28, Man City in second on 26. Uh, Tottenham, as it stands, if they lose, are on 23 with Newcastle in fourth on 21. Now, Chelsea in fifth, we are also on 21 points, but Newcastle even have a superior goal difference. Again, if they just go and put three, four, five in against Spurs, <laughs> that's not going to help us. Uh, we're plus five. They're plus 11 currently. United in sixth uh, on 20 points. Liverpool in eighth. Um, and the bottom three, again, before the West Ham and uh, Bournemouth match, which should not affect this at all. Nottingham Forest are still in last or I'm sorry, they dropped to last, even with their win, which is very cruel. They're on nine points. Wolves in 19th, also on nine points. And Leeds United have now dropped into the relegation zone with nine points. Three of their points and three of their goals came against us at Chelsea. They have a negative five goal difference uh, at Leeds. Wolves have a negative 13 and Nottingham Forest have a negative 15. So it's literally just goal difference down there for them. So it's, it's weird how it's just completely fallen apart for him, huh? Premier League's a hell of a it's drug, almost Nick. As if It's almost as if no one saw this coming except for everybody. Uh, so. And it, it's interesting that how quickly, either on the top or the bottom, one win, one loss, one draw can change things. Usually there starts to be a little bit more separation. So at the bottom, you don't have that much wiggle room right now. You know, if a Nottingham Forest wins their next game and uh, Leicester loses theirs, there's a complete flip in terms of total points. And so just chaos, chaos is coming. Got a fun stat for you to end this one. Oh, Miguel please. Almiron for, for uh, Newcastle, uh, former MLSer, by the way, at Atlanta United has scored as many Premier League goals this month as Jack Grealish has since joining Manchester city. Yeah, I saw that too. And he scored, he scored again tonight. So he actually might be ahead of him. So that's, that's not great. If you're Jack Grealish, yeah, Good. It is not our problem. Anyway, shows fans, we're out. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday at the latest with a uh, another match review uh, post Salzburg. Uh, hopefully, we'll be celebrating three points. Um, otherwise, we got a Matt Law special coming up, yeah, man. Come on. That's what I'm saying. At, at a minimum, right? And then we'll have Matt Law 
uh, Blue Royalty uh, for their match. They're playing Brighton away today as well. We got a couple of special ones as well. Uh, we got Sam's first edition. Uh, this is CFC Central for those who are unindoctrinated. His first player analysis coming out. Very excited about this. Perhaps he will change hearts and minds on a certain player to be named later. And then another excellent edition of Famous CFC coming up. If you haven't listened to the Famous CFCs, get involved. I've what never been I've never yeah, been so, what, so what are they thrilled. Doing their lives? You gotta call them out. You gotta call I'm, them out. I've never been so thrilled by talk of paint before. It is just fantastic. So really, really well done to Rick and Gary. Uh yeah. Uh what I was gonna say is is this the first time we've had a paint expert on the the podcast? network i'm i'm very sure Correct. it is yeah, absolutely <laughs> eat your heart out sherman williams all right we're yeah. out of here have a great one chelsea fans uh we'll be back in just a couple days so don't worry you're not gonna have to wait too long uh check out the blue royalty feed as always we're out uh, until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high